1: Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. The ongoing saga of censorship or not... And Boycotts or Not with Spotify has had an update. You remember five months ago when Neil Young was upset that Joe Rogan was spreading COVID misinformation and threatened to pull all of his music off Spotify and did so. And then several others joined in solidarity, like the supergroup Crosby, Stills and Nash, which, of course, he is a member of as Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. They pulled their music off of Spotify. Joni Mitchell, India Ari, others also did so at the time as a form of protest against Joe Rogan. Of course, Spotify, which was under intense pressure at the time to take Joe Rogan off, especially after some old episodes of his resurfaced, decided to stick with him and kept him on the platform, which led the others to leave. Well, now, just five short months later, Crosby, Stills, and Nash have quietly returned to Spotify. So at the moment... Neil Young, not available as a solo artist, although his music as Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young is again available. And when one fan on Twitter complained about this, David Crosby said, I don't own the music now and the people who do are in the business of making money. The iconic artist group bought the band's catalog back in March of 2021, a year before the protest. Of course, I think you'd have to acknowledge that in selling the collection, they were also interested in making money, so eh. But of course, critics are pointing out that this isn't a particularly long-lasting or principle-driven boycott if it only held out for five months. Libs of TikTok, a very popular conservative Twitter handle, made fun of them saying that it was just like all the people who never left America when Bush or Trump won. And at the time, there was definitely a question of whether this move would be beneficial to them financially, whether it would hurt Spotify or not, and if five months in the return to Spotify is any indication, there's a lot more money to be made being on a platform with people you disagree with than pulling yourself off that platform as a form of protest. It's a gentle reminder that capitalism and the marketplace are one of the great forces for diversity of viewpoint ever invented. Next, from the understanding how a Pixar movie did not measure up to any of their historic expectations file. The movie Lightyear, which has by all accounts been very lackluster in its performance, it might not even make its production and advertising budget of $300 million in global sales, and the explanations are numerous. One is what got a lot of attention, a very minor portion of the movie centering around a gay relationship. Other people have blamed the fact that the plot itself is very complicated because... It's apparently going to be the movie that Andy would have watched to inspire him to acquire the toy in the first place, but it's a movie that's about a real-life person on which Buzz Lightyear was predicated, a plot that had to be explained a bunch of times by the makers which raises a genuine problem the movie has, at least in terms of capturing its, you would imagine, huge intellectual property value, which is it's another Toy Story movie. Unfortunately, it's not another Toy Story movie. Even though it's animated, not live action, it's not in the real Toy Story universe per se, and it's certainly not like Toy Story 5 or anything. And then you have something that has become a kind of a mystery. People are wondering, why on earth would you not have Tim Allen voice the real Buzz Lightyear, when he, of course, was the iconic voice of Buzz, in the Toy Story movies instead, Pixar going with Captain America star Chris Evans to play the theoretically in real life character on which Buzz Lightyear was made. And this baffled a lot of people because you go into a movie starring Buzz Lightyear and you don't hear Buzz Lightyear. Well, Tom Hanks, of course, one of the key stars of the first series of movies, has weighed in on this saying he didn't really understand it either. In fact, since he was such a big part of the Elvis movie that came out at the same time, he was actually looking forward to competing head-to-head against Tim Allen, which they had both been on partnership in the previous movies so much, and he said when they didn't let Tim Allen do it, he didn't understand that. Now, the explanation from the makers has been that they wanted to separate cognitively the toy character from, with Tim Allen's voice, from the hero movie character of the real person, so to speak, of Chris Evans, but nobody seems to understand this, including Tim Allen, who has said that he thought originally when the proposal for the movie came up, it'd be fun to do. He had thought it was going to be a live-action movie, not animated, which, of course, would have been much more a natural fit with Chris Evans. But basically, the new brass is different from the people who made the first four movies, and they didn't have anything to do with each other, and even he didn't really understand it. Of course, some people have theorized that maybe the values Pixar Disney are representing these days don't fit very well with the values that Tim Allen represents. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of that per se, but it's a head scratcher. And in the end, you've got a movie that just has not performed the way other similarly situated movies like Minions, for example, has done tremendously well. And there's some other theories about online movies and releasing things online that should have been in the movie theater and so forth. But the short takeaway is if you do go watch Lightyear, and I will confess I have not yet seen it, understand in advance it's not Toy Story 5 and it doesn't star the voice of Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. And in comparison with the popularity of the Toy Story movies, which are all on Rotten Tomatoes at 100, 198, and 97% positive, this one comes in at a generally pretty good 75%, but compared to those, it's kind of lackluster. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset? Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
1: And finally, Alex Jones. Now, if you're not familiar with Alex Jones, his whole gig is saying outrageous things and promoting conspiracy theories, primarily in an effort to generate sales of... Well, let's just call them supplies. So he has a habit of saying things that everybody else makes fun of. And now we have another installment. I declare this July 4th, 2022 to be a declaration of independence against the alien force on this planet today, waging war against humans and our biology and our very future that is attempting to exterminate the majority of us and force the minority that's left to merge with AI computers and become cyborg slaves of Satan. (laughs) I will give the man this cyborg slaves of Satan is a great title for, I don't know your high school band, some heavy metal song, the next cyberpunk video. It's led to numerous satirical takes on Twitter, including from the Church of Satan's Twitter feed that said, if anyone has a plus one for the theatrical premiere of Cyborg Slaves of Satan, please let us know. We'll bring Twizzlers. It sounds like a great sci-fi exploitation flick. We'd watch it. But I think what all of the satirists and critics miss is the possibility that he might be onto something. I mean, this is just a classic example of your cultural programming that you can't take this serious warning seriously. For the first point, you can't disprove it. You don't know there might not really be aliens running around among us getting ready to exterminate the vast majority of us and merge the remainder, the chosen few, with AI and turn us into cyborg slaves of the aliens. You don't know. And if all of this goes down like Alex Jones is hypothesizing, he's going to look like a genius prognosticator in 20 years, if any of us can remember it with our AI. But I'll tell you, because my brain kind of works this way, I'm kind of stuck on the other side of this. I mean, sure, the slaves of Satan part concerns me, but... Human survivors merged with AI and turned into cyborgs? That sounds awesome. I grew up dreaming about the possibilities of artificial limbs that outperform my traditional or or imagining that I could have some kind of a brain implant like Strange Days where I could watch other people's experiences or Johnny Mnemonic where I could store massive amounts of data. I mean, if somebody's got to survive the alien apocalypse and be turned into a cyborg, pick me, I'm here. Just maybe go light on the slaves of Satan part, okay? That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. While you're here, hit the five-star rating. If I get enough of them, my boss has promised me a free bionic eye. I'm Andrew Tallman, Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.